This is Preston's Poetry Podcast. Listen to this. Throughout this series, I've been sharing my idea that poetry is concentrated. It's distilled, compact, concise. This can be bitter to the taste, too much for our palate to bear all at once. I think the way teachers have taught us about poetry have done us a great disservice. In their effort to overwhelm us with the brilliance of poets, we end up just being overwhelmed and left with some false assumptions about how to approach this particular art style. In the end, we miss this great opportunity to enjoy one of the most universal forms of human creativity. Which brings me now full circle to the beginning. We've talked a lot about tools for understanding poetry, how poets use rhyme and meter, about enjambment, and how We should keep reading if there are no commas at the end of the line. About pausing and reading slowly. And about reading with excitement and energy. About free verse and images that stick with us. These are all tools to help us approach poems independently. One of the recurring tips, though, has been just enjoy it. Before trying to understand the work, Just sit with it. Soak in all those sounds and images. This brings me to a final point, and today's poem. The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. The same guy who wrote Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Have a listen. The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and jimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the mome wraths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the mangsome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And, as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through, the vorpal blade went snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? <gasps> come to my arms, my beamish boy! Oh, frabjous day, kalu, kalay! he chortled in his joy. T'was brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and jimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the momraths. Out grabe. So, uh, totally, yeah, this poem speaks for itself. 
It's a brillig day, the slithy toves gyring and jimbling in the wave, the mimsy borgoves and momraths are out graving. We're warned about the jabberwock, the jubjub bird, and the frumious bandersnatch, but resting under the tum-tum tree, vorble sword in hand, uffishly pensive, the mangsome jabberwock comes burbling and whiffling through the tolgy wood with a snickersnack, the vorble blade sends the jabberwock's head galumphing. With the jabberwock dead, there is much kalooing, kalaying, and chortling, and those slithy toves gyre and jimble in the waves again on a brillig day, and the mimsy borgoves and momraths go back outgraving. Pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> Easy enough. Of course not. This story kind of makes sense, but obviously not totally. We can follow the general story. Things are right. Beware the monster! Then a guy with a sword kills the monster, and there is woo, great rejoicing in the land. It's like a fairy tale, a fantasy story. And as fantasy, it's more immersive to have fantasy words for things. Now, Carol tells this weird fairy tale using made-up words. These made-up words sound like things they seem to refer to. We can imagine a jub-jub bird, which, of course, is not a real bird, but that it probably makes that kind of sound. Chortle, because of Lewis Carroll, is actually now a real English word, but he completely made it up. It's a mixture of two words that's called a portmanteau. So it's a portmanteau of chuckle and snort. So it refers to laughing so hard that you snort. It's a joyous, silly word, and we pick its meaning up just by the sound. This is, of course, called onomatopoeia, which is a word for words related to sounds, like tweet, crack, bang, pow. Now, there is a big linguistic point to be made here about how much you can play with language. But for poetry, it challenges a core assumption I've sort of been making this entire time, that poetry is about language at all. Jabberwocky rhymes, and it's full of these nonsense words. We get the general idea, but we don't actually specifically know what they all mean. Instead, with all of these silly sounds, we can get the idea. It's fun and goofy. You know, I've been trying to give you all ways to approach poems. And it's mainly been a matter of close reading, with some tips to go along. But this? Well, on the one hand, all of the tips I've given do apply here. It is enjoyable if you just take it as written, but it's not a poem you can directly understand. All of the tips I've given will never, ever strictly define what a jub-jub or mangsome jabberwock is, and no amount of licking it up can help that. For all the help I've tried to offer, this poem forces me to rethink about whether even trying to understand any poem is really the point. Here, it's all about sound and enjoying these sounds. All of the instruction in the world on close reading misses the very central point here. The pleasure 
and music of the sound of human speech. Now, have another listen, just enjoying all the nonsense. The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and jimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the momraths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite. The claws that catch. Beware the jub-jub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand. Long time the manxome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the tulgy wood and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went glumphing back. And, and hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Oh, come to my arms, my Beamish boy, oh, frabjous day, Kaloo, Kalei, he chortled in his joy. Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and jimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the momraths outgrabe. Okay, see, have I actually helped you? Breach this poem more than you could before. Is this concentrated language? Can you unpack this? Well, maybe you can. It's kind of a meta-commentary, really. Carol seems to pressure us to just ask these questions. Sometimes poets do this. They put forward weird images or takes on things that don't sit comfortably with our normal way of looking. Sometimes it's mystical, like Percy Shelley's Ozymandias, or creepy, like Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. It can be silly and whimsical like Jabberwocky, or it can be like Gwendolyn Brooks's poem The Mother, which breaches a very difficult topic in a way that doesn't care much for sides or political, religious, or ethical opinions. So what do we do with these poems? Do we just plow forward, trying desperately to understand them? Or do we just enjoy the sounds? If you want to try it, try writing some nonsense words. Make them up. Use sounds like bang, chack, yumblum, I, I don't know. Carol makes a good point there. Maybe poetry is really all about sound not language or understanding. Maybe poetry is closer to music than it is to novels. The danger is that trying to understand or debunk a poem distracts us from the very first impression, just enjoying it. Now, despite my tips to help you understand poetry, I hope I haven't gotten in the way of just enjoying them. 
listening to poems from other languages in their original language is actually really lovely too, even if my tips to help you piece them apart don't really help much. My favorite poem in another language is Invitation to Wine by Chinese poet Li Bai. You can hear all the same rhymes and rhythms, and a good reading is its so catchy and nice. I mean, I've looked up the translations, but there's also a way in which I don't need to know what it means because it's music. It's the symphony of the human voice. Actually, that thought calms me down and gives me hope. The fact that even when poems contain words I don't know, even in languages I don't speak, poetry is still lovely across time and nations, cultures, histories, and languages. And I'm so happy to be able to enjoy this form of human creation. And now I'm less alone in that pleasure because of you, enjoying all this beautiful poetry along with me. Hey y'all, Preston here. Thanks for tuning in. My favorite line of today's poem was, and burbled as it came. Tell me yours or ask me stuff on Preston's Poetry Podcast Instagram or Facebook page or via the website, Preston's Poetry Podcast.com. We'll see y'all.